everybody, and welcome into another episode of the Damn Good Dogcast. I'm your host, Dylan. I'm here today with JD. What's up? What's up? Colin. Hello. And Luke. Hey, guys. Thank you guys, of course, for tuning in, and we're going to go ahead and get straight into it, as always, with some NBA talk. It is the best time of year in the NBA. It is playoff time, and playoff time means playoff brawn. Playoffs. And play- Talk about playoffs. <laughs> <laughs> and playoff Josh Hart. And playoff Josh Hart, of course, as Luke is a Knicks fan. Uh, we'll get to Josh Hart later. Um, I I love Josh Hart. I've loved him for a very long time, and I'm so glad he's finally getting to play in the playoffs. He looked phenomenal. Very, very good. Does yeah. he know about your feelings? He does know about my feelings. <laughs> I've, I've conveyed them to him through Instagram, Twitter, whatever <laughs> whatever I can possibly. I've, I'll share it on the Instagram. Get, get him on the podcast. <laughs> Josh! Josh Hart, I love he, you. He would come on the podcast. He's just that guy. Josh he's, Hart, he's that I guy. you. There you go. Man, that was corny. Yeah, yeah you cornball. Was. Was corny. Corny, corny jokes are my territory. <laughs> Colin got that corny riz. <laughs> the Chris. But nonetheless... Is, is it playoff Braun or is it playoff Austin Reeves? Playoff Austin Reeves. I think it's playoff Austin he Reeves. He said he was him. He is him. He proved it yesterday. Yeah, he's low-key been balling. I don't I don't know what's gotten into him. Dude but dropped like... 23 and forced LeBron to play off-ball in the fourth quarter. When have you ever seen LeBron play off-ball in the fourth quarter of a playoff game? Haven't seen LeBron do that, but I did see Jeremy Lin wave off Kobe in that one game when he when Jeremy Lin was on the Lakers, and then Kobe went up to Jeremy Lin and took the ball out of his hands. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, similar play styles and, you know, similar teammates, I guess, but... A, a few weeks ago, or it might have been like a month or so ago now, I saw a Bleacher Report notification that said Austin Reeves wants a $50 million contract. Not a year, but like $50 million total. And I was like, is this dude out of his mind? <laughs> After watching him play yesterday, he deserves that. He called a shot. There are not that many shooting guards better than Austin Reeves. You can name Devin Booker is absolutely better. Like, De- And then... Bradley After Beal. him, Bradley Beal is definitely better. Donovan Mitchell? Donovan Mitchell is absolutely better. There there are maybe five or six guys who are Jalen Brown better than Austin Reeves. Yeah, That's Jaylen another Brown. very good name. DeJounte Murray. Yeah, DJ's better. Austin Reeves is not that bad. He's worth a four-year, $50 million contract. Absolutely. In this in this NBA where everyone gets 15 mil. Yeah, oh. and I mean, like, LeBron's needed this all season for somebody to really step up and be the other guy. I mean... Obviously, in the fourth quarter, he wasn't the other guy. He was the guy. <laughs> he was <Yeah>. him. But, <laughs> but it's like that's what they've been needing, and it seems like ever since they traded uh, Russell away, mm-hmm. like Reeves has really stepped up. Team's been cohesive, yeah. They've, they've, they've just been better. The moves they made at the trade deadline, I said it before most people did. I thought the Lakers had the best trade deadline. They definitely now, did. Now, as time has gone on, the Suns trade line looks better and better and better because KD and Book have been – phenomenal you say that but then they lost their first game so. yeah and we'll get to that later yeah. exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah lakers had the best trade deadline easily for me picking up d'lo picking up jared vanderbilt picking up malik beasley those are guys who have contributed not even mentioning rui hachimura yeah. who popped oh, off in that man. game come on rui, now rui and austin reeves were like braun and Kyrie in that <laughs> one playoff game that's so funny when, was, considering Bron's on the team. But. <laughs> it was it was incredible. Yeah. Like I didn't think the Lakers could win if Bron didn't put up 30 and Anthony Davis didn't have like a, an Anthony Davis game. You do have to feel for the Grizzlies, though, losing jaw. But it's, it really is the supporting cast of the Lakers. That's really going to dictate how far they go in the playoffs by far. And that was the thing, right? Last year and in previous seasons, LeBron's had no help, right? AD's been hurt. So they go out, they sign Kendrick Nunn, a bunch of other guys to fill that void, Russell Westbrook. 
And then they're like, eh, I really don't like this supporting cast. So they flipped everyone around, got an insane supporting cast now, and I think they're really putting it together. And they're a threat. They're legitimately a threat. They're the most dangerous seven seed we've seen in a while. Yeah. Well, and then I feel like if there's one player to surround with just a bunch of decent, pretty good players, Braun's the guy to do that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we saw Braun carry probably the worst <laughs> roster in NBA history to yeah, the finals. Yeah, that was the, the George Hill, J.R. Smith. <laughs> and Mon Shumpert. Cleveland Cavaliers. So yeah, that if you team can just really surround bad. him with competent players, yeah. like they're content. Like, well, we <laughs> see in his prime, they didn't even have to be competent. It's yeah. I'll pass you the ball, you do a little spin move, and then pass it back to me when I'm at the rim, <laughs> that, and I'll just jam exactly. On the dude. Yeah. Those boys, Mario Chalmers, Norris Cole, they were they were hooping as a point I, guard. <laughs> I saw I saw Paul George on his podcast. Um, what's it, what's it called? It, it has something to do with like playoff P. Podcast P. That's what it is. <laughs> I saw him on his podcast talking about how you defend LeBron. And it's like LeBron has that signature move where he just stares at your feet and then and then just pulls the three. He's like, uh, Paul George is like, you know he's going to shoot it. You know you got to put your hand up and contest that. And you still can't stop it because he, you just know he's going to shoot it. You just know he's going to make it. <laughs> so LeBron, LeBron's different. But we're not talking about LeBron. We're talking about the Lakers. Um, but... On the other side of the coin, yeah, Jaron Jackson going for, what was it, like 35? Or 31, yeah. 31. Like, very, very good game from Jaron Jackson. I did not expect that out of him. So, props to Jaron uh, Jackson. Um, hopefully, without Ja. The, I will say, the Grizzlies have one of the most capable backup point guards in the league in Tyus Jones. So, they're not out of this thing by any stretch. But, I mean, it's also going to depend on, you know, how AD plays. Because we saw the AD injury scare... Obviously, his forearm or yeah didn't affect him in the second half, but it's like if Jaron can dominate AD, that is going to give him their best chance because one because we saw AD had seven blocks still, but I mean for the stretches that were close, if Jaron can really turn it up and you know start pulling from three and just making things happen, that's the Grizzlies' best shot at winning. Yeah, he's going to have to turn into Embiid to, for them to win the series, but I mean there there's a chance they can win. They they're a deep team. They they made some good trades at the deadline too. Most specifically, Luke Kennard. He's been a really good contributor. He's one of the best three point shooters in the league this season. I mean, even then, you have this love Desmond Bain, who's a really underrated guy right there. You know, yeah. he's a very you know, I guess stat sheet stuffer. You know, he can get points. He's a flamethrower from deep. Can get assist boards. It's like you know, hey, you can't forget Dylan Brooks. No, <laughs> listen, <laughs> Dylan, Dylan Brooks stole my parlay. It's okay. <laughs> let's move on to another matchup between. Well, it's not a matchup. I. That's literally what this says. It's Nuggets-Wolves is not going to be much of a series. 29-point uh, blowout in Denver last night. Carl uh, Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards struggled. Yeah. Like, mightily. I mean, we've seen Edwards. He, had, he hasn't had the best stretch so far, and I think the team dynamic of the Wolves is not helping that either. I mean, again, an, an, one more fight. Like Everybody questioned the Rudy Gobert move when it was made, and we. it seems like we were all justified. The... We all knew looking at that Timberwolves roster that it wasn't going to be a great team. We expected them to be a playoff team, but this is, like, where we expected them to be, like the eight seed. Yeah. So, I mean, there's just not much to be said about it, except that Jamal Murray looked phenomenal. He had, like, what, 25-8-8? Eight and eight? Mm -hmm. Very good game. Yep, Jamal Murray turns it on in the playoffs, and he's been very solid all season, very underrated, just a key contributor next to Jokic. But the, the thing that scares me about the Timberwolves is that they kept it close, relatively close in the first half, then lost everything. They they played awful in the second half. You lost by 29, I think you said. So 
Yeah, I think it's going to be a four-game sweep unless if we have a 50-bagger from Cat or Edwards. Yeah, and that's... That I still don't think the Nuggets have the easiest path to the finals. I think somebody else can definitely come out of the West, but this this might be the only 4-0 sweep of the first round Yeah, just because the Wolves are that bad. Well, let me clarify, only 4-0 sweep in the Western Conference. Yeah. There's mm-hmm. there's a first-round series in the East that's going to be a sweep, okay. and we'll get to that momentarily. <laughs> It's not this one, though. The Knicks and the Cavs might be the best first-round matchup in a long time. Yeah, Knicks. My, my Knicks, man, they they pulled it out. They're pulling on my heartstrings. We were up 13 points. You got it. They got it down to, a, I think they maybe the Cavs had a one-point lead with four minutes left or the Knicks were up one either way. <sighs> Josh Hart, the, the hustle from Isaiah Hartenstein to punch out the offensive rebound on the final play. Jalen Brunson just being a dog day in, day out. It's just, it's going to be tough because the Cavs bench is trash. It, it simply is not good. Je- you can't have Jetty Osmond and Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade having significant minutes. And Ricky Rubio, who's 42 years old. Like, these guys, that, that is not a championship caliber bench. And I think that's what's going to hurt them because the Knicks have probably the best bench in the league. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm looking at right now. You know, you have Jetty Osmond playing 19 minutes. Um, Karis playing 18, and then other than that, you have seven and six. So the starters are playing the mo- most mm-hmm. of the game. So fatigue is definitely going to set in, especially the longer the Cavs go. I mean, l- listen, the Knicks could probably go up, you know, 2-0, 3-0 easy. But the longer that the Cavs starters, you know, don't go without rest and they're starting to get agitated, that's when the chemistry is going to fall downhill. And like you said, um, Josh Hart like, playing 33 minutes on the bench alone. I mean, even though Quentin, Quentin Grimes did struggle, in the game, I think, you know, you could replace him, but he's also going to bounce back. I'm mm-hmm. sure of it. So it's like the Knicks are dangerous. Yeah, and that's the thing. I Quentin Grimes struggled, but his defense is always locked down. And the thing, I, I'm, a, I'm a supporter of Josh Hart starting over R.J. Barrett at this point. Uh, R.J. really just has had a down season, and Josh Hart's been electric since the trade deadline. So... I just hope we can keep keep this up and remain the momentum. And the only that you know, Donovan Mitchell could play sixty minutes in that game and just be awesome. So we just got to burn him out, and I think Thibodeau can can do that. I think this series is going to be extremely reminiscent of the bubble series between the Nuggets and the Jazz, where Donovan Mitchell and Jamal Murray both averaged like forty a game. Yeah, uh, I'm so sorry, <laughs> <laughs> Jalen Brunson and Donovan Mitchell absolutely have the potential to do that in this series. It is going to be so much fun. Brunson did struggle a little bit in the first half, but coming back in the second half, I mean, he started to turn it on. So it, literally when Brunson gets hot and he starts dropping 30-plus, I mean, it definitely that, that one-on-one like going at each other the entire series is so going to be fun to watch. Based on what we saw from Game 1, whoever loses this series doesn't deserve to lose. Yeah. Like, it's going to be whoever wins was just the better team, mm-hmm. and whoever loses is just like... Just got unlucky. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Um, moving on to the next series, Warriors and Kings. This one is going to be fun as well. Uh, this this is my favorite matchup of the first round. Like, uh, obviously being from Sacramento, <laughs> but uh, they almost took MB, like NBA away from Sacramento. Like, we almost lost the Kings if we didn't build them that new stadium and all this stuff. But you saw like how into it that crowd is. Like, I have so many friends that have been like dedicated Kings fans their entire life. We're finally good again for like the first time in our adult lives. And so it's like, it's very electric for like my generation who grew up in that area. Yeah. <laughs> Looking at the concourse before the game and seeing four, three or four hours before game time and they'll, they, it's just packed 
all the way out into the parking lot. That just shows like the dedication for these guys. I mean, they the, the, as the fans, you deserve it for for waiting this long, and then the, the, for them to win in, in at home in a tight match. That just brings so much momentum for the whole series. I mean, that's tough to say, but I feel like the Kings that atmosphere is going to be the hardest place to play during the playoffs. I oh, feel yeah. like just have how loud and how you know just rambunctious that crowd's going to be because it's been so long. I I it's gonna be hard. I feel like even the Warriors, you know how good they are. Like that noise is is gonna get definitely get to them at some point. Well, and also that's the other thing that I think really contributes this is it's it's the Highway 80 rivalry. Like and so it's like not only are we playing against the Warriors, we're playing against them in the playoffs for the first time in 20 years. Like mm-hmm. and so it's like it's just that adds so much more to it. And the Kings are really stepping up to it. Yeah, I saw multiple pictures on Twitter. From the Golden One Center in Sacramento yesterday, that people's watches were telling them that they needed to get out of the area because the decibel level was too high. Like, <laughs> it was warning them that they were going to go deaf. I've never seen that. So that is truly remarkable. Don't expect it to stop either. I it mean, won't. they're bringing it. All that energy and pent up rage from the past. <laughs> Light the beam. Years, yeah. They're lighting that beam. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be like if the Mariners finally made a World Series. Like, yeah. they're they're gonna light that beam. If they light that beam sixteen times and win a final, Sacramento is gonna be on fire. There yeah. will be no more Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, JD. Uh, I mean, it, it, it'll be worse than like with the, for the when UGA won the national championship for the first time since the eighties. Like, <laughs> yeah. But there's you've got the fans, which are a key component of Sacramento. Probably the most key component of Sacramento at this point is De'Aaron Fox. And he proved last night, or Saturday night, excuse me, he belongs in the playoffs. That dude is electric. He brings so much energy to that team. The crowd feeds off him. He feeds off that crowd. And as long as he is there, that crowd's not stopping. He's not stopping. It's going to be so fun to watch him in the playoffs. Especially in a game where your second best player, DeMontis Sabonis, had an awful game. Yeah. And you, you, you know that the, that's what separates star players. Is you can pick up where other people are slacking. That's what makes you a good. I mean, that's not even sports related. Like that, that's what makes you a good team player in any environment. And that's why De'Aaron Fox is an elite guard in this league is because he can do that, and he did it on the biggest stage in game one. I mean, I was gonna also point out that you know his. Old Kentucky teammate Malik Monk stepped up big time, and you know he dropped thirty-two. So it's like kind of the same thing with the Lakers. That if that those other role players can step up, that run is going to keep keeping on continuing. You know, I understand that Keegan Murray didn't ha- didn't have the best night, nor Kevin Herter, but it's like you know when those guys start stepping up and actually you know, hitting their shots and whatnot, like that team is again dangerous. I understand. I don't understand how they were underrated going into the series. I understand. You know, you're going against Steph Curry who's arguably, you know, one of the best point guards of all time, and you're going to always be the underdog at that point. But, like, the Kings, when they showed up and showed out, and they're, they've proven that they're ready to play. So Yeah, the Warriors are, like, you can't just, like, shrug them off at this point. Like, sure, they're older, but you have three guys on that roster who have won four titles. That's nothing to play around with. No. And the Kings know that. Mike Brown knows that. There's a reason he's going to win Coach of the Year. They're, like it's it's not even close. And then just that they just won the championship. Yeah. Like so, there there no there's no slouch. There's no slouching exactly. on these Warriors teams, and that's why this series is going to be really 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 good. I can see they, them coming out with a vengeance and just demolishing them game two, but you know we'll, we'll see. I think either way, it's going to be a six probably six or seven game series type here. No doubt. Uh, moving on to the next matchup, which is the Heat and the Bucks. Um, he pulled quite the upset 
in game one. That being said, Giannis was out for most of the game. I mean, I don't think there's anything really else to say about that. I understand that the Heat um, definitely took advantage of it. Um, I understand. Also, Hero breaking his hand also plays in a, plays a bigger role. But I feel like with Giannis going down, your star, like frontrunner MVP, you know, we saw him, he brought a championship to Milwaukee. It, it it's really sad to see just the injuries that it's, that, you know that are taking on them. So I think this is this is showing Giannis's MVP case right here. Simply put, just how the team fell off a cliff without him, and if if that if that injury persists and lingers on for the rest of the games, it's it's gonna it could be an upset for the Heat here in in business. The way it sounds, Giannis will be back. If not for Game Two, then definitely for Game Three. It doesn't seem like anything serious, but nonetheless, like Luke said, it's definitely showing his MVP case. The only thing is, it's like because the first two games are in Milwaukee, that coming come back for Game Three in Miami is gonna be you know he's off of injury or he's he still might be feeling a little bit. And the Heat play pretty well at home, and, you know, that home crowd is going to give them some more life. So it, that's going to be a very interesting predicament. Well, the home crowd in Miami doesn't show up until the second quarter. True. So. <laughs> but as long as as long as long the Bucks can get out to an early lead in Miami, which they definitely can, um, I don't think they're going to struggle that much. But that was the thing. If they if the, if the Heat managed to win Game 2 in Milwaukee, I think that that's going to be, that's going to be a tough hill to climb for the the team where everyone's picking to win the finals. I don't yeah. see I don't see Chris Middleton and Bobby Portis able to bring that team back from the depths from where they are. So. Yeah, it'll be yeah. that's 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 bad. The team definitely revolves around Giannis. Nobody's questioning that. Everybody knew that coming into the series, and without Giannis, it their season's definitely in jeopardy. Yeah, um, they're still my favorite to win the finals, but they gotta come out in game two yeah. and get a win. All the stars, you, you gotta have Drew come out, Chris Middleton. I mean, even Brooke Lopez has to have a better outing. So. They've ar- they already lost home field advantage or home court advantage. They they got to steal one back in Miami. I think they can do it, but like Luke said, if Miami comes out and wins game two, it's a tough hill to climb for sure. Uh, not much more to be said there, so let's go ahead and move on to. Oh, I forgot I put this one next. The Hawks and the Celtics. <laughs> oh man, was I wrong about them? <laughs> I said if the Hawks pull the Celtics in the first round, they have a much better chance than they would against the Bucks, and then the Celtics come out and have a 30-point lead at halftime. Trey Young is not good in the playoffs. It just, it's, it boils down to that. You, you can't start, I think he started off 0 for 8, 0 for 9 to start the game. That's, that just cannot happen from your team's best player. And if you want to win any game in this series, Trey has to shoot over 50% and have 35 and 10. That's what it's going to come down to because the rest of the team has no, there's no there's no comparing any of the other positions to what Boston has and especially the bench with Brogdon, Derek White. The, it's just the guard play actually. Now that I'm thinking about it, the, with the other depth pieces, it's just Boston's going to blow us out us the Hawks out of the water if Trey does not step up. Yeah, and it doesn't seem like he's going to to be completely honest with you. And I mean, I'm sorry, okay, well, I was saying like, even DeJounte dropping 24 still not going to help. I mean, we need to have somebody in 30-plus points every single night to have a chance at least. And you would hope that guy could be Trey, but he he hasn't shown glimpses of even coming close to that lately. At the end of the day, the Hawks going to hawk. They've not played great. Like, yeah. I just I just don't know what else to say. I'm kind of speechless at this point. I'm hoping that we make the right moves in the offseason and better yeah. luck next year. But as, as he keeps speaking. I mentioned, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to find the words. I can't be the host of a podcast and not know what to I'm say. I'm trying the to o- find the words to describe this. No, sorry. I mean, listen, the only 
plus thing that could we could I could see happening for the Hawks is because we've been mid when we've lost a game, we've won a game. I mean, if you really think about it, so in it, theory we're going to seven. Listen, <laughs> I, I, hey, that's the. I mean, the, what you have to have some sort of optimism here. I mean, we can't just. I mean, obviously on the paper from that first game, it looks like it's going to be a four zero. But listen, I think I think you know, fingers crossed, going back off of that, we could win a couple. But we'll see. I I mean, we haven't. Gentleman sweep. Celtics in five. We're, we're going to come back. One, four, sweep. Yeah. <laughs> Reverse. Hawks in five. <laughs> S- similar to the Suns in six a couple years yeah. ago, but not. Nah, that's not happening in my <laughs> opinion. Uh, let's just go ahead and move on to the next. <laughs> um, this, this one was actually a very fun game to watch, the Sixers and the Nets. Um, it's not going to be much of a series. Nobody really expected it to be, but James Harden. Um, has been given this role, uh, like the true point guard role in Philadelphia. And Doc Rivers, after the game, said that he was very proud of James Harden. He thought he called a perfect game, to put it in like catcher's terms in baseball. He accredited Harden to being the catcher of a baseball team and said he did phenomenal. So I'd, I'd have to agree with Doc Rivers. James Harden called a phenomenal game. Uh, 23 points, 13 assists. He's the reason the Sixers played so well. 100%. And with Embiid not, you know, being MVP Embiid or, you know, potential MVP Embiid at that level, James Harden, from the transition of seeing him drop 60 points per game against the 2017 Knicks to now, he pulled, he, <coughs> excuse me, he, he doesn't, half the time he doesn't even come up the court with the ball. He lets the offense set up, then he gets the ball at the top of the key and makes the move because he can make all those passes anywhere on the court. To see that, and then when he does dribble up the court, he has a you know open deep three, and he's not taking it. So it's a level of maturity that it, a new fold um, in Harden's career, and it and it was really great. He just he was an elite, just commander. He he, he commanded the team and turned up when Embiid was down. No, I mean good point. I feel like him. Um, Trans- transitioning more to that like facilitator esque role is going to help the Sixers in the long run. But the one thing it's like, yes, they had they did have um, three of their starters in, with twenty plus points with um, Harden and Embiid and Tobias Harris um, scoring those. But I feel like with having PJ Tucker and I guess um, Maxi had a little bit of an off game. I feel like relying too much on the starters in the long run might cost them a little bit. I feel like whoever they end up playing, because they're obviously, I feel like they're going to win the series. McCall Bridges can only do so much. Um, whoever they go up against in later rounds, if that, like, again, the fatigue on the starters, like if Embiid has an off night, and what if Harden has an off night and there's only relying on one person, that can definitely come back and haunt them. So, Well, Tyrese Maxey wasn't, like, the most prominent player in game one, but if called upon, Tyrese Maxey's proven he can oh, step yeah. up. I have no worries about the Sixers at all. If the Bucks go down in round one, the Sixers are my favorite to come out of the East. Yeah, definitely. And I think their bench, it's something. You know, uh, George Sniang, D'Anthony Melton actually had a really good game, and he was mic'd up uh, in that game. So uh, you saw some insight into him. Um, you know, Tyrese Maxey can take over whenever. He's, he's a certified bucket. So... Yeah, I, I think that they do lack bench depth, but not nearly as much as some other teams. And, you know, Embiid gets a lot of foul calls, can slow the game down, get people a minute of rest every so often. So I, I, I do like the Sixers' chances here. And my, we're not going to dog. Like, Mikael Bridges played fantastically. And the game was relatively close until the uh, fourth quarter, I believe. So they, they, you can only hold on for so long when you just don't have other guys around you. So we'll see, but I think Sixers and five probably. You want to talk about bad benches? 
look at the Phoenix Suns. <laughs> it was abysmal. Um, I checked the box score today because I was like, why did the Suns lose? Because Kevin Durant and Devin Booker combined for like 55. I mean, Kawhi had 38. So Kawhi had the game of his life once again. Um, if you want to look at a box score and see why the Phoenix Suns lost, go to the bench and realize that the Suns bench was outscored 34 to 10. Well, not even Landry Shamit playing 24 minutes and scoring four points. Like, Yeah, that's what I'm saying is that when it comes down to it, if the Suns starters get tired and they have to put that bench in, they're going to get destroyed by the Clippers bench. The Clippers bench consists of Mason Pumley, Bones Highland, Terrence Mann. They only had a nine-man rotation, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, even Norman Powell was playing good, yeah. But yeah, Norman Powell too. Like Their bench is loaded. The Clippers are a well-rounded team, and if they get Paul George back, they're dangerous. I mean, I was going to say, like, even though it was only a five-point margin, I feel like with Russell Westbrook taking 19 shots, if he were to make half of them, it would have been a blowout. Yeah. And so it's like, that scares me alone for the Suns because you can't have one player, like, just basically ball hogging. Obviously, Kawhi, you know, played, again, the game of his life, 38 points. But with Russ, even making a couple more, it's like, would have put him out of reach way earlier. So In a way, the Clippers are lucky that Kawhi's scoring output made up for Russ's just Terrible shooting <laughs> night. But think about it. Russ had the best 3-for-19 shooting oh, yeah. game of all time, yeah. especially <laughs> with that clutch play at the end of the game. That, sh- that just shows the leadership. And back to what we were saying about the Lakers, you know, they flipped the script. Westbrook and the Lakers not going along. I think it was just mutually beneficial for them to split up. And he's been, he's been doing very well on the Clippers. And he, he's going to be a huge piece if they want to win this series. Yeah, and that's why when I was riding up a review of the series so far, or a review of game one, um, I didn't say that the Suns couldn't capitalize on poor guard play because it wasn't poor guard play. Like, sure, Russ didn't shoot the ball that well, but he contributed so, so highly in other aspects. Okay, defensive end, but for yeah, sure. Exactly. The, like you said, the game-saving steal or blocker. Yeah, yeah, I think he had three steals and two blocks or three or two steals and three blocks. He, like Russ hustled, oh, yeah. and that's what they needed him to do. If he's not shooting the ball well, he's got to contribute elsewhere, and that's what he did. No, Russ brings the energy no matter where he's, like, whatever destination he's at. So, I mean, in the long run, against, especially against playing someone like Kevin Durant, who you, you know very well, it's like that's going to light the fire already under him to make him play harder than he already is. So I expect, you know, Russ to continue with this level of play. Yeah, absolutely. One thing I do want to highlight, Chris Paul was three points off of a triple-double. Huh. Uh, he had 11 rebounds. 10 assists and 7 points. So, <laughs> kind of crazy. That it's it's so funny. Sorry to cut you off. But it's, it's so funny to the his scoring, just the dramatic drop from, I think, didn't he average 20 last year? Pretty close. Yeah, you averaged 20 points, and now you're scoring under 10 in a playoff game. Like, But, hey, he's he obviously filled the stat sheet in other areas, So and that's where he's making his, a name for himself still at this age. He scored seven points, and he still had more three-pointers than Devin Booker did. <laughs> that's crazy. <laughs> oh, Devin Booker missed three. Wow. He went 0 for 3, yeah. Kevin Durant had three three-pointers last night, and that was really the only three-point contribution from the Sun starters. <laughs> you have Torrey Craig. He, he dropped two. Oh, but yeah. Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig was a freak last yeah. night. Yeah, randomly. So he, he's usually just a defensive, like, grinder. For him to drop 20 points, another another reason, like, that's a tough game to lose when you have guys like that dropping 20. But, I mean, also, that also doesn't help, like, he, he, that was a starter, too. Like, the bench, again, no help with yeah. that. I mean, nobody even showed up on the bench. So. That's going to be the talking point of this series is how much depth the Suns lack compared to how much depth the Clippers have. They have an abundance of guys. They have guys that didn't play last night that deserve playing time. 
And just imagine what that team does if they get Paul George back. Yeah, Robert Covington getting no minutes, like, and he's and he's just a he he's like the start of three and D, like exactly. But then you have Joe Landale and Ish Wainwright and Bismack Biombo getting minutes in a playoff series for a top contending team, like. I feel like the funniest part about it that I'm just noticing now is that Chris Paul has more rebounds than DeAndre Ayton. Yeah. <laughs> That's Dude, sad. I can't believe the Suns paid him. But nonetheless, Suns definitely have they're in trouble. I would certainly They got to work so. for it. Yeah. Absolutely. Um after game 1 in each series, which teams do you like to make the run? Um very small sample size, of course. Um my favorite I'll start my favorite to come out of the West after game 1 is the Kings still. I'm going to stick with the Kings. I think that environment is too raucous. I think that team is criminally underrated. I think it is extremely well coached. They can hang with anybody they want. Out of the East, I'm going to go Sixers. I don't know if the Bucks can keep up with playoff Jimmy. The Sixers can. And the Sixers will make a deep run, in my opinion. So in a Sixers-Kings finals, I think I'm going to give it to the Sixers. Mm. Just because Embiid, Embiid wants that MVP. He's playing at such a high level. He has been for the longest time. James Harden is fully embracing that court, that floor general role, and he's doing a phenomenal job of it. So give me the Sixers in a tight series. I'd say it goes to seven. Nice. Yeah, with their performance against the Hawks and just the utter domination, I think my pick probably with, with the way Giannis' injury is impacted the series, I'm going to pick the Celtics, make it out of the East. I just think... They have too many options. There's way too many options of that team. You know, we're talking about lack of depth. How about all the depth in the world, <laughs> especially especially at the guard position? And then you just got elite elite guys around. So I'd pick the Celtics, and I like the Kings, but I think the Nuggets. Um, there's especially with you know Jokic. I think Jokic is the X factor and can just d- turn any series on its head if it was going in the wrong direction or just be the closer that they need in, in a tight series. So Nuggets, Celtics, uh, my two of my buddies' favorite teams. Um, I, I, in that series, that'd be a good series, but uh, probably have to go with the Nuggets to close it out. That's good. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm on the same train with you. I feel like the East, it's got to be Boston. I'm still going with the the pick that Jason Tatum, you know, winning finals or the what was it All Star Game MVP, MVP. that he makes it the makes it to the finals and gets Finals MVP. So that that's a possibility. The West is so tough because like the Lakers look good. It was, obviously it's been one game, so it's kind of hard to make you know um, predictions. But I feel like the Clippers. I'm gonna go with the Clippers just because of their cohesiveness on the court. If they get back Paul George, just the depth they have also can they can really match up with anybody. And that would be a very interesting finals match seeing Tatum with Kawhi. But I think I'm going to go with Boston. I feel like, you know, ha- you, you have some liabilities on the Clippers and just the, the Celtics have been playing so good and Tatum and Brown are the mo- best dynamic duo in NBA right now. So, I yeah, I got to go Boston. JD, do you have a pick for us? Yeah, uh, I mean, obviously out of the West, I'm going to go with the Kings because I'm biased. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even going to give any actual reasons. I'm biased. Um out of the East, I don't know. Uh, it's really tough, in my opinion, especially with the uh, Bucks injury. Uh, I'm going to go with the 76ers just because, like you, like Dylan uh, said before, Harden really stepping into that role. And then it's also the same reason like uh, Luke chose the Nuggets with Jokic. I, I don't think you can really bet against Embiid. Yeah. Uh, who would you have winning that series? 
I mean, I'm biased, King. <laughs> the Sacramento Kings. Light the beam. You heard it here first. Ooh. They light yeah. the beam 16 times. They not only end the playoff drought, they end the championship drought. Bold take from JD. <laughs> Why not? Let's do it. <laughs> Well, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode of the Damn Good Dogcast. Thank you guys for listening. Um, as always, go give us a follow on our Instagram. It's linked in the podcast description. It is at damn.good.dogcast. Oh, Luke? Yeah, give us five stars on Spotify. Share us with your friends, family, whoever you can. We really appreciate the support, guys. And, you know, keep it up. Keep listening. Oh, and let us know whom your NBA Finals predictions are from this podcast. See you next time. <laughs> that was a little early. That was pretty good. <laughs> <early. laughs> I mean, I know that's usually your problem, but... Thank you guys for listening, (laughs) and we will see you next time.